12 this morning, and uh, we'll work around a couple of different places. In uh, the Gospel of John today, the Gospel of John chapter number 12. And uh, we're going to be looking uh, back here, uh, this story that is a reminder to us about a particular man in the Word of God whose name was Andrew. And uh, we're going to see some different things that Andrew, the disciple, uh, one day the apostle, uh, who's known as, uh, did. That was very unique, very unique to the life of this man, Andrew. Last week I asked you this. I said, who are you looking for in 2022? And uh, I'd say a lot of us are looking for different people. Uh, but I asked you tonight, this morning, uh, who today are you going to show this year? Who are you going to show this year? Who are you going to talk about this year? Who are you going to tell about this year? How many of you remember in elementary school the old-fashioned and fun little game of show and what? Tell, yeah? I, you know, I was uh, doing some research on show and tell, and uh, I found very interesting some of the things that uh, children over the years have brought to uh, show and tell. Now, I don't know how true all of these are, but uh, one teacher reported that uh, their uh, student, uh, uh, dad, uh, worked in a laboratory, and uh, he had uh, different things uh, that he brought home from the lab and uh, in jars and the uh, formaldehyde and things like that. And one day, uh, the child pulled out a human brain uh, out of the bag of the show and tell. And can you imagine that as a teacher? You know what I mean? Here comes the brain coming out. And uh, uh, there's been all kinds of, uh, one, you know, pets, uh, toys. I mean, when I was a kid, there was nothing exciting like that. Your stuffed animal, you know, your favorite Lego piece or whatever it might have been. Uh, was brought to school. On one occasion, and, uh, and, uh, and on December the 8th, 2021, a second grader brought a BB gun to school. Uh, that didn't, that wasn't a good show and tell that day. Uh, it was unloaded. Uh, there was nobody that was hurt, okay? Everything was fine. It checked out, all right? Uh, not, uh, not a good, uh, good day. Uh, kids, I read, uh, brought snacks. Some, one kid brought a snake to school. Uh, one uh, one child brought something to school. He advertised it as something that uh, nobody else had uh, in his whole entire family, uh, and uh, um, he had sadly exhumed his uh, his dead uh, cat from a week ago and brought it to uh, show and tell. And nobody else in the family had it. You know, I mean, uh, just uh, just a show and tell. I even read read about I. One child brought a live mortar round uh, to school one day, uh, and it just required some routine assistance from the bomb squad. I mean, it was no big deal. Uh, but show and tell. I mean, that's a, it can be exciting, it can bore, it be boring, it can be lame, uh, no matter how it goes. But I never had any exciting days like that. Uh, one of my favorite stories was this on November the twentieth, November the fifth, twenty twenty-one. This is past year. Uh, they were asked to bring uh, some things that reminded them of heroes to their class. And uh, I believe it was young Sally brought, to, uh, brought that day uh, her dad, who had just returned from a year-long deployment, uh, out and uh, brought her in and said, This is my hero. It's my hero. 
You know, I, I don't know all the things that have happened in show and tell. I don't know how all, I don't know how many of them are actually true, but I can remember uh, one of the best days of my entire life. Uh, I went back and I went, did some research this past week and was uh, doing some calendar research and, and trying to discover that. And I think it was that on February the 13th, uh, 2002, I've never been quite sure of the date, but I think this is the date, but February the 13th, 2002, in Pensacola, Florida, when I was 19 years old, that was the day in which I met the Lord. Which I met the Lord. I was saved. God changed me. He changed my life. He gave me a new life. Uh, and He did something that only one person could do. And that's Jesus Christ. Changed me. Saved me. But you know how all that happened? It's because on Wednesday night, there was a faithful preacher that got up and told me about Jesus. It was because uh, I had uh, uh, some friend of mine that night that after I had some questions, guess what? He told me about Jesus. I had a Bible college professor that had me memorize some verses that week that pointed me to Guess who? Jesus. I had some parents of mine that told me about Jesus. I had a preacher, a pastor for years and years, and a youth pastor growing up that told me about Jesus. I had three or four men in my life uh, when I was a teenager that directed me and pointed me towards Jesus. I'm glad that God, in His great sovereign grace, uh, directed me to a Bible college that taught me about Jesus. They all told me about the Lord. You see, it's not one person that leads you to Christ. You know that? It's not one person that's going to lead you to the Lord. It's going to be many people. Many people, many circumstances, many, uh, many uh, situations uh, come into place and God uses those people to lead them to Christ. It's person after person after person that God has put into your life to point you to Jesus. And the question that I have to ask for you today is this, is are you going to be one of those people in somebody else's life? Are you going to be somebody that tells somebody about Jesus? Are you going to be somebody that, in 2022, that tells somebody about the Lord? In our text in John chapter number 12, and verses number 20 through 22, we find these Greeks coming to uh, the worship at the feast, and they run into two fellows, Philip and Andrew. The Bible says in verse number 20, and there were certain Greeks among them that came up to worship at the feast, and the same came therefore to Philip, was of Bethsaida and of Galilee, and desired him, saying, Sir, we would see Jesus. And then Philip cometh and telleth Andrew, and and again, Andrew and Philip tell Jesus. Tell Jesus. Aren't you glad that Philip and Andrew didn't say, you know what, guys, we're real busy right now on a campaign. You know, 
Guys, we've really got a lot going on, and we appreciate your concern and your desire to see the Lord, uh, but uh, we're just a little bit too busy right now, Lord. Do you think it was a busy day? No doubt it was. I mean, the Lord was ministering to hundreds of people. It was a feast day. It was a, there was a lot going on all around them. But these two men did not say, well, not right now. They had learned a lesson from earlier. In fact, I'll have you turn back to that lesson that they learned. And it was the lesson that I believe, they believe it was Alex that just read to you. It was in John chapter 4. I believe they had learned a lesson that in John chapter 4 that Jesus had taught them a little bit earlier on in his ministry. You see, in the country of Samaria, Jesus had decided that he must needs go through Samaria because there was a woman there, a Samaritan woman, that was going to be by the well, the woman at the well we know her by, that needed to be saved. And Jesus said, I'm going that way. And he went by that way. He talked to this lady. He uh, he. he Brought her to saving knowledge of Jesus of, of himself, and then the lady leaves and she goes into the town. Well, at the same time that she's going into the town, guess what's happening? The disciples are coming out of the town. All right, and as they're coming out of the town that they had just been in, the city of, that, that city that they had been in, uh, as they were in that city, they were buying some meat, getting some uh, things ready for lunchtime. Maybe it was, I'm not for sure, but they were getting some red things ready, ready for lunch. Maybe some bread, some sardines, some, uh, some of those kinds of things, a little bit of mustard. Some of you like to put on your sardines or whatever it is. And they were bringing that back out. And as they were bringing it back out, uh, they see this lady running by them. Or excuse me, not running by them. They see this lady talking to Jesus. They kind of stand back and look and scratch their heads. And finally the conversation is done and this lady leaves. Walks by them. They approach Jesus and they kind of don't say much about it. But they say, okay, Master, lunch is here. Lunch is served. And it's not that our Lord didn't like sardines or anything like that. But he says, guys, I've already eaten. I've already got meat that you don't know of. They're still scratching their heads. They're thinking, did somebody already feed him? Did he already get lunch? Did, what's, what's, what's the deal here? And if you're, if you're there, your Bible's in John chapter 4. And he says, my need is to do the will of him that sent me to finish his work. Okay? What's that? Say not ye, there are four months, and then come at the harvest. Behold, I say, you lift up your eyes and look on the fields, for they say, there they are already right, right on the harvest. He tells them now the rest of the story. And he that reapeth receiveth wages and gathereth fruit unto life eternal, that both he that soweth and he that reapeth may rejoice together. And here is that saying true. One soweth and another reapeth. I sent you to what? Reap. That whereon you bestowed no labor. What is he telling them? He's telling them this. He says, guys, I sent you into town not just to buy meat, but to tell people about me. And you brought nothing out to me except something to eat. And so God, in His great grace, He sends the woman into town. The woman comes into town. She's the one that gathers the men out of the town. She's the one that brings them out. And she's the one that gets the credit for telling all these people about the Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. The disciples missed out on a reward that was waiting for them. They missed out. 
it's encouraging to me, though. Some people say, well, if you don't tell them, then who's going to tell them? Listen to me, my friend. Somebody's going to tell them. Okay? I'm not worried about if God's going to get his plan done. God gets his plan done. Amen? I mean, if he's got to use a great big whale, he'll get his plan done. Amen? He'll get his plan done. Okay? The question is this. Do you want to be involved in the plan? Do you want to get involved in the plan? Noah and his boys said, we want to get involved. Jonah didn't want to get involved, but God, but well said, I'll get involved. Amen? Uh, this little, uh, these, these, uh, these 12 disciples said, we don't want to get involved in God's plan, but there was one Samaritan woman that wanted to get involved in God's plan. You see, God will get his plan done. The question we have to ask ourselves, are we willing to get involved with it? These men were sent to labor upon a, a, a ground in which they are to reap upon ground which they put no labor into. Who had put the labor into it? The prophets, the priests, all the people that had gone before them, preaching the word of God, preaching that Christ was coming, preaching that Messiah was coming. The, the Samaritan lady knew that a disciple was coming. How did she know that? Because there was preachers and there was prophets. And there was people saying, he's coming, he's coming, he's coming. They knew he was coming. But he was looking for somebody to talk about. He was looking for somebody to tell that he had already came. You see, there's people in your life right now that are looking for somebody to come. They don't even really know what he looks like. The Samaritan woman didn't really understand it, all right? She didn't understand all these kinds of things. But there's people right now that God wants to put you into contact with your life. You say, I talk to people, they don't get saved. I mean, people talk to you before you got saved. You know, that's the question you always have to ask yourself. You might not be the one that gets to read. The Bible says in verse number 36, it says at the end of the verse, or excuse me, in verse number 37, and here is that saying, saying true, one soweth and another reapeth. I'm glad these disciples learned a lesson. Because in John chapter number 12, we find this man Andrew, and he's got the answer. Uh, Philip, I don't know that he had the answer. I don't know what exactly that he knew what to do. I don't know if they had a discussion. The Bible doesn't tell us what happens in this little scenario. But all I know is this, is that these Greeks come to Philip. Philip then says, okay, guys, I'm going to take you to Andrew. And Andrew and Philip come up with this plan. Guess what we're going to do? We're going to take them to Jesus. Andrew's a very interesting character because other than the times that you find him mentioned along the other disciples and various different things for uh, maybe a list or uh, because these particular disciples went to this place or to that place, Andrew is found on three significant occasions. And in those three significant occasions, guess what he's doing every single time? Bringing people to Jesus. Take your Bibles over in the same gospel, John chapter number 1 and verse number 40. Notice here in John 1.40 what he does. In John 1.40 we find that he is bringing his family to Christ. He's bringing his family to Christ. I don't think any of us here this morning would disagree that bringing your family to Jesus is a bad thing. Amen? Bringing your family to Christ is not a bad thing. It's a good thing. 
Bible says in verse number 39, it says, He saith unto them, Come and see. And they came and saw where he dwelt and abode with him that day, for it was about the tenth hour. And one of the two which had heard John speak and followed him was Andrew, Simon Peter's brother. He first findeth his own brother, Simon, and saith unto him, We have found the Messiah, which is being interpreted the Christ. And he brought him to Jesus, and when he, Jesus beheld him, he said, Thou art Simon, the son of Jonah, thou shalt be called Cephas, which is by interpretation a stone. This is so crucial. This is so crucial. Andrew is the one that brings Peter to Jesus Christ. It's crucial for a, a couple of reasons. Number one is crucial in this, is that Andrew cared enough about his family to bring them to the Lord. He cared enough about his family to bring him to the Savior. Do we care that much about our families? Do we care that much about our families that we would tell them about Jesus Christ? Just recently we heard the report that I believe it was Miss Gear. She's been witnessing to her sister-in-law for a good while. And just recently, she was able to lead her to Christ. That I mean, I can see the rejoicing. I, she shared that report with me personally, and I, I can see that, I mean, it was just, it just, it was just a wonderful thing to her. Why? Because that's family. That's family. That's somebody you love. That's somebody you spent time with. That's somebody that you care for. That's somebody that you know personally. And they have been brought to the Lord. And no longer do you have to worry if that person's going to be in hell forever. But that person has been accepted into the family of God and has believed and is now saved and is born again. Why would we ever be scared to tell one of our family members about Jesus Christ? Have you ever witnessed to your family about the Lord? Don't be afraid. Uh, don't be worried. Do you love them? Do you care for them? Do you care about them? Then tell them the most blessed thing of all. Tell them the gospel. Tell them about the Lord. Andrew was not ashamed. He said, you know what? I I'm going to go find my brother. That was the first person that he went to. The Bible says it right there. And in verse number 40, after Andrew was there, the Bible says in verse number 41, he first findeth his own brother Simon. That's where he went to first. Why? Because he loved him. We love our families. We love our families, and we should, we should love our families, and we should want them to come to Christ. Andrew told him how they could be saved forever. He told him about Messiah. Andrew told his brother, uh, Timothy. Think about well, Timothy. Who was he instructed by? Who told him about the Messiah? Who brought him to say, who was that? His mother and his grandmother. Amen? Praise the Lord for that. Uh, today, uh, we're going to see a couple of children baptized. Uh, well, not children, not, 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 not everything, but a teenager and a child, okay? Uh, you know, uh, since the Terrells have been here, all their children have come to saving faith in Jesus Christ. Mm -hmm. I mean, you ought to see the, the glow on Jeremy and, and Heather's face when they talk about that. I mean, that's just, I mean, that's exciting. I mean, that's wonderful news to know that your kids are saved, amen? I mean, it's a blessing. 
Uh, Timothy was instructed in faith by his grandmother and his mother. He's like, I don't know about my kids, and I don't know what direction they're going, and, and all those kinds of things. But you can be an influence, even if you're a grandma or a grandpa. Be an influence. Tell them about the Lord. Where did Paul, if you turn to Acts 11 and verse number 25, where did Paul go after he was saved? Well, quick little history lesson. Paul was saved in Damascus. He went after Damascus. He kind of mingled around there until he was let down by a rope. And then he uh, found his way, mingled down a little ways. And he found himself down in Jerusalem just for, just for a time. But in Acts 11.25, we find that the next place that he went was Tarsus. Do you know what Paul's name, they called him before he was Paul? They called him Saul of Tarsus. I don't know what happened in Tarsus. But I know this. He was from Tarsus. Why did he go to Tarsus? I think it's only logical to assume that he went there to tell his family about the Lord. He went back to his hometown. Paul did this. Uh, Jesus uh, uh, told the man that was healed of the devils, he said, he said, go and tell your friends and your family the good things that God has done for you. Your friends and your family. Why are your friends and your family? Because they're the ones that love you. You're the, they're the ones that saw you in the state that you were in the worst. And go tell them. Jairus came to Jesus on behalf of who? His daughter. His daughter. The Philippian jailer was promised that he would be saved, but we oftentimes leave out a little, uh, a little, a little phrase at the end of that verse, and it says, "Thou," he says, uh, if, "If you will believe, he says, that thou shalt be saved." What does the end of the verse say? And thy house, and thy house. You know what? Uh, that'd be a great message. I've never heard anybody preach on that, but I was really thinking and meditating on that right there, on that, on that verse, and thy house. The Philippian jailer doesn't take that at face value. What I mean by that is this. He doesn't just say, okay, thanks for the good news. What does he do? He gets the apostle, and after his own peril, he takes him out of the jail cell, him and Simon. Uh, uh, is it Simon? Right. Silas, thank you. I got Simon Peter on my mind. He takes him and Silas at his own peril, out of the jail cell. He takes them to his own house. He cleans up his sores. He cleans up Silas's sores. And then he says, all right, boys and girls. He says, why? He says, sit down. All of you tell them what you told me. You tell them what you told me. He doesn't just take it at face value and say, well, uh, you know, uh, you know, well, thanks for the good news. I'm glad my house is going to get saved. No, he believes and acts upon his faith and puts Paul in front of his kids and his wife and says, okay, preach them. I don't know who Paul was there. Maybe his mother-in-law, I don't know. In those days, a lot of times, if Paul's and other people would live with him. But whoever was there, the Bible lets us know that they got saved. And then after they got saved, I mean, I've never baptized anybody in, in the middle of the night, but there was a middle-of-the-night baptismal service. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, at 2 o'clock in the morning. I mean, I mean, uh, uh, walking down the river. I mean, they're getting baptized. 2 o'clock in the morning. Praise God. Why? What's the, what's the point? What's the point? They were telling people about Jesus, but they were not just telling people. They were telling their family. Their family. Their family. Have you told somebody in your family? 
There's two key lessons to this. I want to bring the other one up at the end of the message. So hold on to this particular story that we've just learned here in John 1. Take your Bibles to John 6. To John 6. Very interesting, too. All the people that you find Andrew bringing to Jesus... They all have a very particular application too at the end. John 6 and verse number 7. Again, you got Peter, or excuse me, Andrew and Philip getting confused with all these apostles and disciples trying to keep them all in my mind here. But you've got uh, Philip and Andrew again in this scenario. Totally different scenario though. Here we have uh, a crowd of people that need to, need to eat. And in verse number 5, it says, And when Jesus lifted up his eyes and saw a great company come unto them, he saith unto Philip, When shall we buy bread that these may eat? This he, had, this he said to prove him, for he himself knew what he would do. Philip answered, him, two hundred penny worth of bread is not sufficient for them, that every one of them may take a little. One of his disciples, Andrew, Simon Peter's brother, saith unto him, There is a lad here, which hath five barley loaves and two small fishes. But what are they among so, among so many? Jesus said, Make the men sit down. Now there was much grass in that place, so the men sat down, and the number was about 5,000. Now, what you have in front of you might not be a big deal, but it's a real big deal. See, in those days, children were not looked in the same way that we look at children today. Alright? And I'm not trying to put down either one's society. I'm just saying they were not the same. In fact, uh, in some ways, and many, many times, a lot of times, is that children were looked down upon as almost second-class citizens. Uh, they were looked down upon. Stay out of the way. Don't, 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 don't get in the way. really even find that same line, that same fault being continued uh, all the way almost up into the uh, 16th and 17th century, even to the 18th century, where you had forced child labor and uh, a lot of those kinds of things. So children are not looked upon in the same light as we see them today. And so Andrew, Andrew is the one that sees this little lad, this little kid, and he's the one that brings them to Jesus. So for us to find Andrew in this situation is quite unusual, but it's also rather inspiring. Because the first question is this, are we bringing our families to Christ? But the second question I might ask is this, are you bringing children to Christ? Did you realize that uh, according to all the statistics that, I, that I've looked at, that the most easily reached generation for Christ are people 19 years and younger. Isn't it interesting to you also that whenever God condemned the children of Israel from going into the land of Canaan, uh, who were the ones that he condemned? Those that were 20 years old and older. Why is that? Well, I have 
some assumptions, and I'll give you my assumptions here, and just I'll give you my assumptions and my opinions, but I'll give you just some hard-based facts of this as I've seen, is that most of the time, the older you get, the more rebellious and stubborn you get. I can count on perhaps maybe two hands, the number of people that I've seen say, maybe one hand, uh, that were 50 and older. I can count definitely on one hand how many people that I've seen saved over seven. One hand. You see, the older you get, the more harder you get to the gospel. But I believe as I was looking through some statistics, I believe the number stands uh, pretty pretty consistently for the last uh, several decades is that they have found out that over 70% of the people that accept Jesus Christ are either 19 years and younger. 70%. Now you tell me if that is an important number that we start reaching children for Jesus Christ. Is that an important number? I believe it is. You see, we need to see and understand that children are a part, an essential part of the kingdom of God. Jesus even says this. Whenever at one time His disciples actually refused, tried to refuse the children to come to Jesus, in Mark chapter number 10, they brought the Lord children to Jesus and the disciples tried to, the Bible says, refuse them, tried to push them away. And Jesus said, but when Jesus saw it, he was much displeased. See, God's not happy if we push away children from the gospel and from the kingdom of God. That's not a pleasing thing to God. God says that in the very next statement, suffer the little children to come unto Suffer them to come unto me. For such is the kingdom of God. Not such might be the kingdom of God. And I know that some people might say, well, he's making an analogy here. He's saying that that we've got to become as little children. Listen to me, my friend. That's a totally different passage. It's not this passage. He says here the kingdom of God is, he says, excuse me, he says, for such is the kingdom of God. He's, what he's saying is this, he's saying the kingdom of God is made up of little children. It is made up of little children. I kind of touched on this last week, and I might even preach a whole message, and there might be a couple of messages on this, uh, something that's just been on my heart. But, but can number one, can children get saved? Yes, they can get saved. Uh, secondly is this, is that what about children that are not of the age of understanding? What happens to them? And though I'm not a big John MacArthur fan, I agree with him instantly when he says instant heaven. Immediately into heaven. There's a lot of reasoning behind that, a lot of good theology behind all that. But the point being is this, is that we ought to see that the kingdom of God is made up of little children. Now when we get to children, we get to heaven, are there going to be like five-year-olds and six-year-olds running around? I don't have a clue what heaven's going to look like, my friend, Okay. But what I can say is this, is that we ought to be concerned enough about little kids that we ought to give them the gospel and give them a fighting chance to to accept Lord and Savior Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior. And on the flip side of that, let me say this also. He says, anybody that offends one of these, it would better that a millstone were hung around your neck and thrown into the midst of the sea. Anybody in this world that would, number one, let's just go ahead and put this out there, is that would offend, hurt, molest, or, or, or abuse one of these little children, it would be better that a millstone were put around your neck and you were thrown in the sea, my friend, than you do something like that. Alright? And I hope that there's nobody in this church that 
would ever even consider something like that. But if you ever hear a hint of it, or a, a scratching of it, a, 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 simple, a simple little notice of it, and you pick up on something like that, hey, inform me, let me know, because we're not putting up with junk like that. That's ungodly, that's wicked. But also, he says, that the whole the meaning behind that statement is this. If anybody would withhold the gospel from any of these little children too. Let none of us withhold the gospel from the children of God, from these little kids. Secondly, we must see this. Why are children, why are children necessary to bring them to Christ? Because the Lord loved children. The Lord loved children. Luke 18, 15 says they brought infants to him. Matthew says they brought little children to him. On another occasion, they said they brought children to him. This is the Son of God, mind you. This is the Savior of the world, mind you. This is the most powerful being in the universe, the triune God. And look what the Bible says about the most powerful entity in all the universe in the world that we know to exist. The Bible says in Mark 9, 36, And he took a child and set them in the midst of them. And when he had taken him in his arms. Did you get that? The most powerful being in all the world. What does he do? He picks up a child and sets him in his lap and holds him in his arms. How gentle of a Savior we serve. Amen? He loved children. He loved children. He was good to children. And we ought to love also them. The Bible says in Mark 10, 16, and he took them up in his arms and put his hands on them and blessed them. He loved the little children of the world. We sing that all the time. We sing that sometimes. Jesus loves the little children of the world. Red and yellow, black and white, they are precious in his sight. And every one of them are. Should we do the same? Should we do the same? Always thought it was very gentle and kind and loving of our Savior whenever he heals Jairus' daughter at 12 years old. The Bible says that after she was healed and she woke, and she woke, or after she was raised from the dead and she woke up, he says, What? Find her something to eat. You ever thought about that? Find her something to eat. That's what a parent does, doesn't it? Get him something. Come on, give him something. Help him out. We ought to love children like that. We ought to want to bring children to Christ. Who are you telling about Jesus this year? You telling your family? Are you telling your friends? Are you telling children about the Lord? And finally, in our text, we find this in John 12. We find him bringing people that were not like him to Christ. Andrew was okay with bringing others that didn't look like him, talk like him, smell like him, and look like him to Jesus Christ. He was okay with that. He didn't tell these Greeks, nah, you're not fit for the kingdom of God. And it is a shame in our day and age that we live in, really a shame in any day, that if we still have an issue with talking to people that don't look like us, and telling people about the Lord that don't look like us, if all we want to do is witness to people that look like you, then we're just going to have a church of people that doesn't look like the kingdom of God. 
Let me say that again. If we're, all we're going to tell people about is people that look like us, we're not going to have a church that looks like the kingdom of God. Amen. The kingdom of God is, the Bible says, every, every single, every single uh, ethnicity, tongue and language. Jesus, look about, look to Jesus. What did Jesus talk to? Jesus talked to the Jew. But he also talked to the religious zealot. He talked to the man. He talked to the woman. He talked to the blind. He talked to the halt. He talked to the lame. He talked to the poor. He talked to the weak. He talked to the rich. He talked to the strong. He talked to the Samaritan. He talked to the Syrophoenician. He talked to the demon possessed. He talked to the heathen. He talked to kings. He talked to paupers. Jesus witnessed to them all. He didn't hold anything back. He didn't, he didn't just witness to male Jewish men. I know that was repetitive. But he was like Paul whenever he says to the weak, I became as weak, that I might gain the weak, and I made all things to all men, that I might by all means save some. In fact, Jesus says in Mark 16, 15, so generally, what does he say? Go ye therefore into, he says, go and preach the gospel to what? Every, what is the word that he uses? Anybody know? Creature. Creature. So there's no, uh, there, is, there is no discrimination in that word, is there? You know what you all are? You're nothing but a bunch of creatures. Amen? That's what I am too. We're all in this group of creatures. And this group that's out there, we're just a bunch of creatures. I forget what missionary it was, but I, there, was a, uh, there was a missionary that went out to the woods to preach the gospel. And, and uh, they, said, they said to him, they said, well, what if nobody hears you? He said, well, listen to me. He said, there'll be at least God's creatures out there to hear me. But yet God used a missionary just like that to let others hear the gospel and be saved. You see, my friend, you don't know what God, what, what, who are listening and who is not listening. In fact, Jesus said, like I said, he told every preacher. He said, go into all the world. We ought to be open to tell all people about Jesus Christ, no matter the race, no matter the creed, no matter the color, no matter their background. It doesn't matter if they're wearing a headdress. It doesn't matter how many tattoos they have or what sexual orientation they are. It doesn't matter. All people, every people, all people need the Lord. Andrew is a man that's typified for us that was bringing people to Christ. He brought people to the Lord that didn't look like him, act like him. They were not of the same background of him, but he brought them to the Lord. The Bible says in Acts 1 8, but ye shall receive power after the Holy Ghost has come upon you, and ye shall be witnesses unto me both in Jerusalem and all Judea and Samaria and to the uttermost part of the world. Are you going to be a witness? Are you going to tell somebody about Jesus? This week, this month, this day, this year. You know how this church is going to reach more people for Jesus Christ? By you reaching more people for Jesus Christ. That's how. By inviting them to church. By giving them a gospel church. By giving them, going back there and just... You know what? Those books are free. Those dumb books. Give one to somebody. You got a buddy at work that's the birthday's coming up? Hey, throw a gift card in there to somewhere. Put it in the put it in the dumb book. Put it in the dumb book. Say here. Have a good time. Go enjoy something. What if we all just were to pray 
Lord, help me to reach one family this year. Help me to reach one family this year. Help me to reach one person this year. You know how you're going to reach one person? By telling ten. Or whatever that number is. Now I said to hold in your mind back to that first point. And really all the points. Peter, or excuse me, Andrew, in our last point, he reaches out and these men reach out to him and he bring them to Jesus. Bring them to the Lord. Let me ask you a question. How do you know that the person that you reach for the Lord isn't going to go to reach somebody else for the Lord? How do you know that somebody that you reach for the Lord isn't going to go to a mission field one day and tell them about the Lord? You could, maybe you could never go to a mission field. You could never go to Taiwan. You could never go to Bangladesh. You could never go to South Africa. But maybe you reach somebody that does go to that in John chapter number six, he reaches this young little this little young little lad, and this long young little lad's lunch feeds five thousand people. What if you reach somebody for Christ, and that person goes on to do some great social work for the Lord? Is social work needed for the Lord? It is needed for the Lord. Read the life of George Mueller. Okay, he was a great social worker, but you know what? He was also a great witness for the Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. God needs that. What if you were to be somebody that was to do that? That you couldn't perhaps feed 5,000 people, but maybe you could reach somebody that could feed 5,000 people. Wouldn't that be awesome? But then, he reaches his brother. In the Bible, we're told of, at the, at, at the least, three people that Andrew reached. Three people. But on Pentecost, and a few weeks later after Pentecost, Peter preaches, and they see 8,000 people saved. What if he reached somebody that reached thousands for the Lord? Reached thousands for the Lord. Or are you going to miss out like the disciples did in John chapter 4? God will get his work done, my friend. He will accomplish his sovereign plan. Do you want to get involved? And God's greatest plan that he has going right now, the greatest plan that he has going right now, is the salvation of sinners upon the face of this earth through the Son, Jesus Christ, who died on the cross, was buried and rose again the third day. Do you know that story? And tell somebody that story. Tell them Jesus saves. Who are you going to tell this year? Father, we're thankful for the word of God.